name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to get right into the scripture this morning. We're going to be in Second Corinthians chapter number 8, and it's going to be a little bit of a different message. We're just going to walk right through the text of Second Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. And what's going on in Second Corinthians 8 is... Uh, is that there were some people in the church at Corinth where they had grown in some different areas of their life spiritually. They had taken some, some steps in their faith. They had seen some real progress in their Christian journey. But this area that, that we've been talking about, this area of their financial giving, is just something that was, was a place they hadn't quite grown in yet. What I want us to do here is, um, this is just the, the last message we're going to talk about giving. We talked about it last week and then this week. This is going to be the last message. What I want us to do is I just want us to see what Paul told a group of people that just needed to grow in this area. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, verse number 1, if we could get it up on the screen this morning, it's, he says this. He says, we want you to know, brothers and sisters. So the people at Corinth, they were followers of Jesus. So what makes us brothers and sisters is our mutual faith in Christ. We want you to know about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. So Paul says that there is a region where all these churches were in Macedonia. We could say like Southern California for, for our context. In this area, God has given them grace. He talks about this grace. In verse number two, he says, during a severe trial brought about by their affliction, their abundant joy... Can we say the words abundant joy together? Ready? Abundant joy. Let's say it one more time. Ready? Abundant joy. Their, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, I got to stop for a second, okay? Because consider this. They had a crazy trial. They had a crazy difficulty. And they still had abundant joy. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I have a difficulty or when I have a bad day, the word abundant joy isn't always a phrase that describes me. Maybe abundant stress or abundant frustration or um, maybe uh, uh, abundant complaining. But the idea of having abundant joy in the midst of a trial isn't always something that describes me. But, he, but here's what you can know, is that if you, if you have Jesus... That even in a severe trial, you can still have joy. That you can still be joyful in the midst of a trial. And these people, they, they had abundant joy even in the midst of a trial, but also they were really poor too. They had extreme poverty. The world that we live in, the world that we live in says, hey, if you're poor and you're having a hard time, there's no way you can be joyful. But these people were. And this is what it says. It says that, that in the midst of the trial, in the midst of their poverty, they still overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, this doesn't really make sense because why, if you're poor, would you still give? Like, why would you be generous if you didn't have much money? Well, he says in verse number three, he says, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord. So this is something they wanted to do. They begged us earnestly. Has anybody ever begged you for something? Have you ever begged for something? 
Have your kids, have your kids ever said, man, can I please have dessert before dinner? Like, please? Has somebody ever said, um, will you please buy me this? Or do you ever have your dog while you're eating? Just sitting there, looking at you with the poor puppy dog face? Please, right? Like we've all begged, we've all had people or dogs beg us. These people begged earnestly for them to be a part of the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints, to the saints. So what was happening was there was an offering that was being received that would go towards gospel ministry um, to another church in Jerusalem. And this is what these people did. They begged to be a part of it. Paul, will you please let us be a part of this? Paul, will you please let us give? And it says this in verse 3. It says, it was of their own accord. Like, they wanted to do this. Now, for you to fully understand the context of this, um, historians tell us about Corinth, that it was a very rich, wealthy city. But, like, the people, the people at Corinth, they were loaded. Like, they had money because of their location. Now, Paul is telling rich, wealthy people that hadn't grown in this area of giving, hadn't learned to give, or, or give like they should. He was telling them, there was all these poor people in Macedonia that were super poor, and they begged us to give. Now, now before we get on the Corinthians, right, let's give them a break. Like, maybe they thought, like we often think, like we can't afford to give. Or maybe they thought, um, or maybe they didn't identify themselves as rich. I mean, think about it. Not a lot of people identify themselves as rich. In fact, if, if we took a survey in this room, we said, how many of you think you're rich? Very few of us would say, oh yeah, I'm rich. But have you ever considered that over 700 million people in our world live on less than $2 a day? That the median family income Outside of the United States, the average family income is $2,000 a year per family. If, if the poorest 20%, if the poorest 20% of Americans form their own country, they would be one of the richest countries in the world. Friends, financially, we are Corinth. We are rich. And what does Paul tell the Corinthian people that were struggling to grow in this area? He says, hey, those super poor people that live way below the poverty level, he's like, they begged us to give. Ouch. <laughs> and this is what it shows. It shows that generosity for me and for you and for, for all of us, it's not about money. It's, a, it's not a money thing. It's a heart thing. It's a worship thing. It's a trust thing. And in verse 5, he tells them the secret to their giving. This is what he says uh, as far as regarding the secret of their giving. He says, and not just as we had hoped. Instead, they, these are the people at Macedonia, before they gave, they gave first, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. They gave themselves first. To the Lord. Everybody say first. Ready? First. Let's try it one more time. Ready? First. They gave themselves first to the Lord. So Paul says this. Paul says, before they ever gave other finances, they gave themselves. Have you guys ever heard of the, uh, 
uh, the, the little phrase that men are like waffles, but women are like spaghetti. You guys ever heard that one? Some of you guys have. So, so men are like waffles in that men can compartmentalize. So if you have waffles and you pour some syrup on the waffles, some of the, some of the squares will get syrup, but some may not, right? Like there's all these different boxes. So men can like compartmentalize, but women are like spaghetti in that like everything's all connected, right? That's why if you get in an argument with your wife, like in mid-sentence, she can bring up something that happened three years ago and she can remember what you were wearing when it happened, <laughs> Because like everything, everything all comes together. But it's funny, men or ladies, when it comes to our faith, we all have a tendency to compartmentalize at times. Like we can have a church me and a home me, or a church me and a work me. But this is what the Macedonian Christian said. God, you can have all of me. God, you can have a hundred percent of me. And I wonder in this room, Maybe you're, maybe you're a Christ follower. Maybe you've trusted Christ as your savior. But have you truly surrendered yourself to the Lord to be the Lord of your life? Like maybe God is your savior. You put your faith in him. But I wonder, is there some things in your life that you haven't said, Lord, you're holding out. You haven't said, Lord, you can have this. This is what Paul says. Paul says, before the Macedonians gave of their finances, they first gave themselves. And until we give ourselves to God, we won't give our finances. Verse number six, he says, we urged um, Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. What Titus is doing is Titus is receiving this offering at different places to go to gospel ministry in a church. And they just encouraged Titus, we want you to, to keep on doing it. Verse number seven, he tells these people, he says, now as you excel in everything. In other words, they're doing good in their spiritual life in many places. They have faith. So these people, you present some projects, like some vision projects or, or something going on. They're like, yeah, we believe God can do it. Like God is all powerful. God is almighty. Like we have faith. They have speech. In other words, there were some, amongst this church, there were some people that could get up and they could talk well. They had knowledge. So these people were intellectuals. They were smart and, and all diligence. So these people were very diligent in certain areas of their life. They had some really good character traits in their Christian life. And in your love for us. So these people love their spiritual leaders. They love their elders. But he says, I want you to excel also in this act of grace, this area of giving. Paul says, I want you to excel in this. I want you to grow in this. Now, if I'm in Corinth, I'm like, Paul, really? Like, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, I got, I got strong faith. I, uh, man, I, I love my spiritual leaders. I'm diligent. I have knowledge. Paul, do I really have to grow in this area? Like I already serve. Like I'm already somewhat faithful to church. Like I already do this. Paul, do I really have to do this too? But Paul doesn't let them off the hook because Paul wants them to reach full spiritual maturity. And until they grow in this area, they won't be spiritually mature. 
Verse number eight, he tells him, he says, I am not saying this is a command. I'm not telling you you have to do this, but rather by means of the diligence of others. I'm testing the genuineness, the genuineness, the genuineness of your love. And verse 9, he takes it back to the gospel. He says, uh, can we go back? He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, hey, I want you to look at Jesus. Though he was rich, for your sake, he became poor. That by his poverty, you might be rich. Paul says, do you remember Jesus? Do you remember that, that Jesus, he had everything? He was rich. He was in heaven. But because of your sake, he became poor. Do you guys remember that it says that Jesus had no place to lay his head? He was literally homeless. And why did he do this? He did this so, so that we could become rich, so that we could have eternal life and we could have abundant life. He points them to the gospel. Now, for some of us, uh, we look at the gospel as like a set of historical facts that we believe, if we trust in the gospel, it gets us into heaven, right? It gets us into the Christian journey. But the gospel is not just a set of historical facts. For a Christ follower, it's the lens through which we see everything else. It's the filter through which we see everything else. The gospel is the filter, it's the lens. Um, there's, a, there's a social media site uh, called Snapchat. I don't know if you guys, any of you guys have Snapchat or heard of Snapchat. Okay, some of you guys do. Uh, there, there might be some younger people in here. They're like, yeah, I would want to raise my hand, but my parents don't know I have a Snapchat. Um, but Snapchat's got all these like crazy filters. So, so Gene and I were messing around the other day. We are taking these pictures and, and, and we were putting all these filters on. Now, it's really interesting because we were standing in the same place. We had the same clothes on. We had the same pose on. Nothing changed. But when you put a filter on, it changes things. So, so here's awesome. Here's the original picture of us, right? This is what we did. Same place, same pose, same clothes. We put a filter on and it made us look like. Now, same people. Everything's the same. That was one filter. And then Gina did this filter. I think she likes this one with the whole sunglasses look. So then that's a filter. And then we did another filter. I think we got one more on here. That's scary, guys. That is really scary. Uh, like makeup around the eyes. Like uh, to me, the, the worst part's the cat ears, but or whatever. Um, but th this is this is scary, right? Now it's think about this. Think about this. It's the exact same pose, the exact same people. We took it in the exact same place. There was only one thing that changed: the filter through which you see us. And for some of us. For some of us, our filter, how we see the world, how we see others, how we see ourselves, our filter is not the gospel, but our filter is our feelings. How we feel determines what we do. How we feel determines what we say. How we feel determines what we post. How we feel determines how engaged we are in church. How we feel determines how obedient we are to the Lord. And if we're not feeling it, then we're not doing it. And if we are feeling it, then we're doing it. And rather than the gospel being the filter, 
It can be our feelings. For some of us, our filter is our media or maybe our politics. We see everything through the filter of our politics. We see everything through the filter of, of, of what the media is saying. In fact, we even take scripture and we see scripture through the lens of these things. For some of us, it's, 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 it's what we watch on the news. Like we literally see the world. And for some of us, and myself, I raise my hand. I, there's been seasons in the last year I've been really discouraged. This is the reason I've been discouraged is because I've watched the news and I've seen the world. And I didn't even mean, I don't even know what happened. I don't know what happened. I see the world through the lens of that filter rather than the lens of who God is, of what God can do, and God's power. I'm just saying, that's me. I don't know about you. Sometimes we see our, the world and ourselves through the filter of our feelings, our media. For some of us, our filter is our past. Because something happened in the past, because something happened, you see everything through that filter. So you dated a dude in the past that was bad news. Now every dude's bad news. Like somebody in your past made you feel like you were less than and you were inadequate. Now how you see yourself is less than and inadequate. And what we do is we filter all of life. We filter ourselves. We filter others through something that happened in the past. And this is what the gospel does. The gospel freezes of this because the gospel says that what happened in the past does not define you. What happened in the past is not who you are. What happened in the past is not the person that you can be because the gospel frees us because God is in charge and God's in control and the realities of who Jesus says you are, that is the reality of your life. And while those things may describe you, those things don't have to define you. But this is what we have to do. We have to choose what filter we're going to see the world through. And isn't it interesting that in a passage of generosity, that Paul brings up the gospel. And this is why. Because when you see giving through the lens of what Jesus has given you, it changes how you view giving. Amen. Wow. God, you gave everything for me. It's like, oh, well, of course I'm going to give something. Last verse of the text, verse number 10, and we're done this morning. This is really our, our heart, my heart as a pastor and our heart as elders. He says, in this matter, this matter of giving, I'm giving advice. This is why he's doing it. Because he wants to get money from the people in Corinth. Because, no, because it's profitable for you. Because he wants the people to learn to grow who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. You know, I said this last week, and, and I want to say this again, is as we've talked about giving last week and this week, if you can't get over the emotional hurdle of thinking that, like, I'm being self-serving, saying you should learn to give, then you don't, ha then don't, don't, you don't have to give here. Like, give to some other gospel organization, but learn to give. You know why? Because it's profitable for you. Like, it's profitable for your spiritual growth. And when you learn to trust God with your finances, you learn that you can trust God. So this is what we're encouraging everybody to do. Um, inside your, uh, your program, in fact, can we, just, can we just take this out right here real quick? Um, it just says, my next faith step. This is what we're encouraging everybody to do. We're encouraging everybody over the next few weeks to say, I'm just going to take a step in faith in this area. I'm just going to take a step.
Like some of you guys are, like, you think, man, I just, I don't know how to do this. I, I'm scared. I, we, so we encourage everybody to, do, to take a step over the next couple weeks and to pray about it. For some of you, your next step is just to begin financially giving a percentage of your income. So maybe it's like, hey, I'm going to give 1%. Right? I'm going to give like $10, whatever. I'm going to give something. For some of us, our next step, your next step is to take a 90-day tithe challenge. To take a 90-day tithe challenge. Maybe some in here, maybe you give and what you give you call a tithe, but it's not actually a tithe because it's not 10%. And this is what we're encouraging you to do. Just try it. Just try it. To say for 90 days, I'm going to give 10%. And you can have a testimony like Dan up here. Like, man, I've seen God prove faithful. And for some of us, this is where we are. We need to learn to trust God in this area. Another step for, for some of you is this. Is that you will give to the next step offering. Is that you will say, I'm going to give to the next step offering. For some of you, maybe it would be a massive sacrifice for you to give a couple hundred dollars over the next 90 days. For some of you, that's just like a drop in the bucket. Like for some of you, you can give a couple thousand dollars to the next step offering. For some of you, for some of you online in, 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 in person, you could take care of an entire project. We had that happen last year. We had somebody say, I'm just going to take care of an entire project. I just want to, God's give, literally God's given me so much. I just want to give. You might want to take care of an entire part of, part one of the phases here. And this is what, this is what we encourage you to do to say, I'm just going to take a step in my giving. And I want to say that Gina and I are raising our hands first and say, we are going to make some sacrifices for the next step offering. We are not making sacrifices so there can be a new commode in the bathroom. So there can be new painting in this. No, no. We're making sacrifices and we're taking a step of faith for people in our community. We're making sacrifices so the greatness of God can be known to our community. And this is what I've learned. This is what Dan's learned. Is that whenever I take a step of faith, God meets me there. Whenever I take a step of faith, I'm like, oh, God, God meets me there. You know, I'm, um, I'll just be super, like, somewhat transparent, I guess. It's like, there are some things that, that we, Gene and I, would like to do, um, like, with our backyard and things like that. There are some things we're not going to do. This is why. Because, because we want to give to this. Because we want to be a part of this. But this is what I believe. I believe if we'll just take a step of faith, and everybody in this room will do it. I believe this. That God's going to meet us there. I was talking to a, a, a leadership coach and a mentor I had this past week. And he said, look, he said, your church, he said, first Christian church. He said, you guys need to be ready because y'all have had a lot of people dating you guys online. Some of y'all are, are dating right now, dating us online. You've got a lot of people dating us online. This will happen. Those people are going to come in. And you got to be prepared for the people that God is going to bring. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do over the next couple of weeks. And, and we're going to have this in the program over the next couple of weeks that you would say, I'm going to take my, my next step. If you are online, you can, you can text um, something and, and we, we want to cheer you on as you're doing this. And 
The reason why we have your, your name and address in here is not because like we're going to come after you or anything like that. We just want to mail you some things, some resources that will just help you grow in this area. That's it. Nobody's going to like, we're not going to come after you if you don't do now. But what we want to do is we just want to help you. We want to resource you. We want to encourage you. And together as a church, let's take our next step. Let's have a word of prayer and I will have a song and then a baptism will be done today. Appreciate your patience.